0: corruption and mind alteration, and unhealthy sexual attitudes, including gender essentialism and sexual stereotyping. The views of the characters do not reflect the views of the author. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is Episode 280 Hey there, folks. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm Chris Lester, the creator and head author of the Metamore City story universe. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you. I'll also tell you what's new in my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. For now, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 21 in my Metamore City novel, Making the Cut. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 259 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. Daniel Sharabi is in the middle of a life-changing experiment. At the urging of his new friend, the androgyne Evan and Ava Selindi, Daniel has taken on a trial-sized version of The Curse of Metamore, if he can adjust to life with a female body, and even more importantly, to the attraction to men that the curse has given him, this could be his ticket to a better life in the Psy Collective. He might even be allowed to join the same breeding cell as Rebecca, his longtime love. After Daniel changed into his female alter ego, Danny, he and Ava went out for a night on the town. Ava gave him some lessons on life as an androgyne and then their curse-enhanced libidos nearly got them into trouble, with a makeout session on the dance floor. While getting some water to clear his head, Danny met Jared Tamlin, a latent teep who, like Daniel, has been overlooked by Hive Society. Something about him drew Danny to him, and they spent some time talking and dancing together. Later that evening, Danny told Ava that if Jared calls and asks him on a date, he'll say yes. From Danny's perspective, this is all part of the experiment. If he's going to make this new life work, he needs to find out if he can handle being sexually intimate with a man. And Danny definitely felt something when he was spending time with Jared. The next morning, Danny ran into Kevin, one of his two roommates in his bachelor cell. Kevin was stunned when he realized that Daniel had transformed himself into a woman on purpose, to try to better fit into the Psy Collective. As a gay man, Kevin turned down the Collective's offer to adjust his sexual orientation. What Daniel's doing is even more drastic. But Danny's willing to make some compromises in order to get the protection and security that the Hive offers, both for himself and for the people he loves. Kevin realizes that this is about Rebecca. Danny still loves her, but doesn't want to put her at risk of losing the Hive's protection, the way that Dell's widow, Josephine, did. Kevin still thinks that what Danny's doing is crazy, but he's willing to help out however he can. After all, being in love is one of the better reasons for insanity that are out there. Making the Cut A Novel of Metamore City Written and Read by Chris Laster Chapter 21 I can't believe that with all that preparation, you never told me how to change back. Ava made an exasperated noise on the other end of the phone. It didn't even occur to me. I've been shifting my whole life. Would you expect a bird to be able to tell you how to fly? If I were falling off a cliff, I think I'd ask it to try, Danny said dryly. He picked a pair of pants off of the rack and held it up against his waist with his free hand. He couldn't make any sense of women's clothing sizes, but this one looked close enough to give it a try in the dressing room. Ava sighed. Okay, look, I'm just guessing here but I think it has to do with desire. Danny draped the pair of pants over his arm and picked up another in a slightly different size. How do you mean? Well, Evan and I tend to trade off when there's something that one of us really wants to do, or something that one of us really wants the other one to deal with. If I think I want Evan to take over, and he doesn't, I can usually look back at the situation later— and realized that subconsciously I did want to be the one in charge. "'All right, but you're talking about two different personalities,' Danny said. "'There's just me.' "'Wrong,' Ava said. "'There's Daniel and Danny. "'The trouble is that Danny hasn't had a lot of time to be herself, "'and you still share so many of your thoughts and feelings with your alter ego "'that you can't tell where you stop and he begins. "'All of your differences are subconscious,' which makes it harder to separate them. Danny frowned, then adjusted the phone against his ear as he moved toward the racks of shirts and blouses. Assuming you're right, why wouldn't I have been able to change back this morning after I ran into Kevin? I was so embarrassed I just wanted to disappear. On the surface level, sure, Ava agreed. But you also fancied him, didn't you? Danny blushed at the memory of it. Um, yeah he admitted. "'There you have it, then.' Danny stuck around because she was hoping to get lucky. "'What? Well, isn't it obvious?' Ava asked. "'A sexy bit of man-flesh walking around with no top on, and the androgyne libido being what it is.' "'That's crazy,' Danny hissed. "'Kevin's gay, for God's sakes. If I were thinking like that, I'd have had a better chance if I switched back to Daniel.' "'There you go again, thinking that this is about thinking,' Ava said. "'Danny, think about it. Daniel doesn't fancy men, but Danny obviously does. If Danny registers an attraction to a man, she's going to stick around and explore it, because Daniel hasn't the tools to process those feelings. It doesn't matter if you know he's gay. He's still a man, and his pheromones are still going to flip Danny's switches. It's all biochemistry, darling.' Don't lecture me about biochemistry, Danny muttered. I make a living off of it. Obviously not in the field of sexual dynamics, Ava quipped. Danny sighed. So you're saying that I'm not going to change back into a man unless I really, really want to, deep down inside? Well, you needn't sound so cheeky about it. Sorry. Sorry. The idea that wishing makes it so is something that I usually associate with children's stories and dangerously powerful magic. Ava chuckled. The curse is dangerously powerful magic, Danny. Dark wizard, visions of conquest, empowered by the dark gods. Is any of this ringing a bell? Now who's the cheeky one? Whatever Ava might have said, it was interrupted by a beep from Danny's mobile phone. He checked the display and saw that he had another call coming in. He saw the name attached to the phone number, and his stomach fluttered. Hang on, Ava, Jared's on the other line. He pushed the button to flip the calls without waiting to hear Ava's response. Hello? Hello, is this Danny? His tone was cheerful, relaxed, and polite. Hey, Jared, Danny said. He smiled broadly as he spoke. He'd heard somewhere that people could tell when you were smiling, even on the phone, and he hoped it would be enough to hide his nervousness. I wanted to say thanks for pulling me out of my shell last night, he said. It was a lot of fun talking and dancing with you. You're welcome. I had a great time, too. He thought back to their time together on the dance floor, blushing at the memory. He'd used all the tricks Ava had taught him about how to move as a woman, and Jared had bought into it completely. He had let Jared lead him on the dance floor, but Danny never stopped being in control of the situation or the level of intimacy between them. He hadn't allowed it to degenerate into the sort of desperate snog-fest that he'd had with Ava earlier in the evening, but he hadn't been afraid to show off a little sensuality either. Jared, for his part, had been gentle and courteous, letting Danny set the tone, Even the hug they had shared before parting ways had been completely Danny's idea, though Jared had been more than willing to hold him against his body one more time. "'Great,' he said. "'Listen, I was wondering if you might be available for dinner tonight. I'd love to get a chance to sit down with you and just talk some more. Hopefully someplace that isn't quite so loud.' "'That might be a good idea, yes,' Danny said, chuckling.' I don't have any plans for tonight, so, yeah, it's a date. Fantastic, Jared said. Danny realized that they were right. You could hear a smile through a telephone. Should I pick you up at, say, six o'clock? Done and done. I'll send you the address as soon as we're off the line. See you tonight. Until then, Jared said, and rang off. Danny switched back to the other line. Back, he said. And... "'Ava purred. "'And we've got a date. "'He's picking me up at six. "'Boy moves fast,' Ava said, amused. "'Nice to see some decisiveness from the male half of the species. "'Will you need any help getting ready, darling?' "'Danny looked down at the clothes on his arm. "'I think I'll be all right this time. "'I'm picking up some clothes to round out my wardrobe. "'Men's jeans do not fit right on this body. "'Believe me, I know the feeling.' Call me if you need any emergency advice, won't you? Danny smiled. Count on it, he said. Ava rang off, and Danny pocketed the phone and turned his attention back to shopping. He had only a few hours before his first real date with a man, and for some reason he felt very strongly that he wanted to look his best for him. Danny returned home from his afternoon shopping spree with an armful of bags, a list of fashion tips from the store clerks, and a credit card bill that he would be paying off for at least the next two months. He was grateful that the collective managed his food and shelter expenses, so he wouldn't have to worry about meals or rent, but he was looking at a long stretch of very quiet evenings at home, unless the entertainment was on someone else's coin. Still, he felt good about his purchases. The jeans that he'd worn for his shopping trip had been too loose at the waist, too tight in back, and too long in the inseam, which led to the odd combination of feeling like his pants were falling down while simultaneously having his ass stuck in a corset. He'd worn one of his baggiest t-shirts with the jeans, and while it had enough room for his breasts, barely, he had come to the reluctant conclusion that men's t-shirts just didn't look all that good on women. Sasha had said as much before, but as Daniel, he'd never realized how wrong their shape was for a female body. As soon as he had his newly purchased clothes in hand, Danny had gone back into the changing room and swapped his baggy, bulky outfit for something more flattering. It was a hot, sunny, and beautiful day, full of promises about the coming summer, and he opted for an outfit that matched the weather. The silk blouse he wore now was a riotous pattern of turquoise, coral, and bright yellow, with short sleeves and a neckline low enough to give teasing peeks at his cleavage. The tan skirt was tame by contrast, but it showed off his long, shapely legs without sacrificing modesty. He was glad to be able to stick his sneakers in a bag, too. While his feet hadn't gotten much smaller with the change, and he had been able to wear his own shoes by tightening the laces, they looked clunky and awkward on his feminine frame. The flat sandals he now wore worked much better with the new outfit, and they fit his feet better besides. It would have surprised him if he had been told about it a few weeks ago, but he felt fantastic. In spite of the ongoing struggles between his masculine ego and his new instincts, there was something deeply satisfying about knowing that he was beautiful. His new body continued to astonish him every time he looked in the mirror, and it gave him a thrill to dress in ways that would show off that body to the rest of the world. He wasn't sure if normal women felt that way, or if it was some side effect of the curse— For all he knew, maybe it was just the way his brain reacted to being stuck into a beautiful woman's body. But there it was. Danny was gorgeous, he knew he was gorgeous, and he absolutely reveled in it. He rode the lift up to his apartment and paused at the entrance. It took some juggling to fish his key out of his purse and get it into the door, and then a few more awkward maneuvers as he pushed his way inside and carried the bags over to the couch. His back was glad to be free of the load, and he lifted his arms over his head and stretched to loosen up the tired muscles. He heard a sound like a muffled squeal from the direction of the bedrooms, followed by the clatter of a wheeled chair turning over. A clatter of feet sounded from the hallway, and then Nathan stood before him, arms limp at his sides. His wide-eyed expression suggested an emotional state similar to religious ecstasy. "'Holy blessed Father of Lights!' he whispered. "'It's true! "'When I saw the security footage I almost didn't believe it, but it's true!' Danny's sunny mood was abruptly squashed by the awkward silence that followed. Nathan drank in the sight of him like a man dying of thirst, his nervous, roving eyes examining every line and curve with laser-beam intensity.' His gaze fell on Danny's breasts and his lips parted, the tip of his tongue running over them unconsciously. And this is the downside of being beautiful, Danny thought. Being noticed and admired by strangers was one thing. Getting turned into fodder for his flatmate's sexual fantasies was quite another. Hi, Nate, he said with exaggerated cheerfulness. So nice to see you, "'Oh, my weekend's been great so far. Thanks for asking. How's yours?' Nathan flinched and blinked rapidly as Danny's tone sank in, but he did manage to tear his eyes away from his chest. "'Oh, sorry, Double D. I I mean Big D,' he amended quickly, upon seeing a look of fury in Danny's eyes. "'Er, or maybe Danny, I guess. That's what the other chick called you, right?' Danny crossed his arms in front of him. He was trying to look menacing, but it just pushed his breasts up higher, and that sent Nathan's eyes back down to his cleavage again. He sighed and turned his back on him. Danny is fine, he said. He began pulling garments out of his shopping bags and laying them out on the back of the couch. Right. Danny, then. Nathan fidgeted behind him, shifting his weight from one foot to the other. "'Was there something you needed, Nate?' Danny asked. "'Well, I, um...' He paused, and Danny could almost hear him swallow back his nervousness. "'It's more of an intellectual curiosity, actually, about the, um, the details of the changes. "'I'm sort of an amateur scholar of the curse, you see, "'and I've, um, never had the chance to study the effects of the androgyne variant firsthand.' Danny looked up at the ceiling and silently, slowly counted to ten. So, um, if you'd be willing to participate in some... some data collection, purely in the interests of academia, mind you. What do you want, Nathan? Um, yes? A video recording. He paused again, and out of the corner of his eye, Danny saw him staring at his feet of you transforming from a man into a woman. He put his hands on his hips and turned around. That's all? Nathan shrugged. Nate, androgynes have been around for hundreds of years. There must be thousands of recordings of them transforming by now. Well... He coughed. Yes, but... But what? He spread his hands and almost laughed. I'll admit I look great, but most TGs are beautiful. What's so special about me? Nathan cleared his throat. throat) Well, the, um, the videographic record of androgyne transformation has largely been steeped in mystic nonsense or, or erotic sensationalism, he said, finally looking up at him. Too many people think that the curse shouldn't be analyzed, shouldn't be questioned, Wizards tried for years to unravel it before the Majestrics brought it under a measure of control, and none of them ever succeeded. Most of the attempts backfired with unpredictable results. The end result has been a a timidity about scientific investigation of the curse, even with modern theoretical advances in monology. Because it took a demigoddess to bring the curse under control before, people believe that it will escape our understanding forever. It's a fallacious conclusion, you see. So what? Danny said, frowning. You want to do a scientific analysis of the transformation process? Figure out how it works? We're a long way from understanding the mechanism, Nathan said hastily. Even accurate description would be a major step forward for the field. If we could, um... If we could collect a detailed catalog of the anatomical changes... If we could videotape and photograph it throughout the intermediate stages, take take measurements and reference images. I get the idea, Danny said. He sat back against the edge of the couch and rested his chin on one hand. I can see where the data could be useful, of course, but I'm not sure how you're going to leverage this into a serious research project. To do this right, you need monologists, doctors, biochemists even psychologists, to track the mental changes. Where are you going to get all those people if everyone is so timid about analyzing the curse? We've been building a community of like-minded researchers across the world net, Nathan said eagerly. Call it a sort of open-source scientific endeavor. Researchers post what they need and the rest of us try to collect it for them. He looked up at Danny, hopeful. Will you do it? Danny rolled the idea around in his head. On the one hand, it would mean learning more about himself and the life he was planning to lead, and that had to be a good thing. On the other hand, it would mean being examined by Nathan, repeatedly and in exacting detail, and he wasn't sure he was ready to deal with that. Nate was a good guy on the whole, but his obsession with beautiful women unsettled Danny now that he was one of them. I'll think about it he said, picking up his clothes and walking past Nathan toward his bedroom. Oh, come on, Danny,' Nate wheedled. "'Every guy knows that I'll think about it means no.' Danny didn't slow down or look back. "'No, it means I'll think about it. I have a date in less than two hours, and I'm not going to decide anything right now.' "'Oh, a date?' Nate said, brightening instantly.' Is it with that hot blonde you came in with last night? Danny shook his head. Ava's a Monday, Nate. I'm just going to dinner with someone I met last night. He turned to close the door and found Nathan's face right in front of him. Male or female? He asked, grinning. Danny glared at him. What? Intellectual curiosity. Danny rolled his eyes and took a deep breath. Not that it's any of your business, but... Sigh. He's a teep named Jared. Aha! Nathan pointed a finger at him. There it is! Direct evidence of androsexual overlay on a previously exclusive gynosexual orientation! There's a long chain of anecdotal evidence, but it's never been confirmed experimentally. Do you think the hospital would let us perform a few brain scans? If we could just get some before-and-after images of the relevant ganglionic structures... Nathan! Nathan shut up. Danny put one finger squarely on the tip of his prominent nose. Not... now. His eyes crossed as he looked at the finger. Right, of course. Silly me. A thousand pardons. Please proceed with your, um, pre-date preparations. He took a half-step back and twitched his head toward the door to his room. I'll just, um... Danny nodded, then pushed the door closed. A centimeter before it shut completely, Nathan called out, Danny! He opened it back up a little. Yes, Nate? The, um... Nathan gestured at his own chest. Accoutrements... Would you say it's like wearing bags full of water, or are they more like firm gelatin? Danny slammed the door in his face. And that's the end of Chapter 21. Come back next time when Danny meets Jared for their date. Agatha Christie said, I mean, what can you say about how you write your books? What I mean is, first you've got to think of something, and then when you've thought of it, you've got to force yourself to sit down and write it. That's all. So, let's see what I've done this week. It's time for the Weekly Writing Report. This update covers the week of March 13th to March 19th. I wrote 2,798 words this week, over the course of 3.75 hours, for an average writing speed of 746 words per hour. As of Friday night, I have gone 334 days without breaking my chain. Progress is still going slowly on learning the ropes. On the night before they're scheduled to take a train to the front lines, Natasha's squadmate Russo has taken her to the House of Comfort a centralist parlor in the Southlands port city of Ferna. There she meets Samar, a local woman who specializes in the art of power exchange. It is from Samar that Natasha begins learning the ways of BDSM. Russo is a dominant, who has hired Samar to be her submissive for the night, but she's not really interested in explaining herself much. It is Samar who takes the time to tell Natasha what she will see and why they do it. I may have to tighten this section up a little bit during edits. It has the potential to get rather info-dumpy, but I'll worry about that when the story is finished. The manuscript is now a little shy of 5,000 words. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash authorchrislester, the fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi! If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2021,